Welcome to the Brave Wave Podcast. I'm your host, Lavelle Miller. And on this podcast, we will be covering um, the five main educational learning theories. So, as you know, if you've been listening to the ones I've been doing and I had a brief interruption in doing these, the this is a part of the improving your performance uh, strategy. Uh, for your organization, yourself as an individual, um, whatever the case may be for you. Now, when it comes to these learning theories, as a quick thing I'm going to give you all is this is something that is more like teaching, like how you would end up teaching someone and what a teacher would need to apply for it to work. So if you are a uh, trainer for an organization, um, a school teacher these may help you apply a little bit more a lot of these theories you have already heard of but it's nice to get a refresher every now and again so remember uh like comment subscribe share this around and let's get started when we look at the five learning theories we have behaviorism the cognitive learning theory constructivism humanism and convention Connectivism. Um, these are the most commonly used learning theories, and there are additional ones that I will briefly highlight at the very end of this, but the other ones I'll be giving my main focus to. Uh, and then just remember, like I said in the intro, um, these learning theories are typically used for students, which may make you think that, oh, I can't use any of this stuff. But if you are a trainer for organization, um, students don't have to traditionally mean they're in college or they're in high school or et cetera. Um, so starting off, I'll be talking about the behaviorism learning theory. Well, behaviorism is the idea that students' uh, behavior is based off of their interactions in the environment. So what does that specifically mean? It means that a anything that would be considered, if it's a positive reinforcement, people will act in a positive way. If it is negative, they will act in a negative way. Uh, a example I like to use is when we talk about um, toddlers who are potty training. A lot of pediatricians will tell you when your toddler is learning to potty train and they go to the toilet and they use the toilet, you make a big deal out of it. You you pray song and dances for them. You may award them with a treat. You may give them a toy, etc. But this is going to make the kid know that them going to the toilet is a big deal and it matters. Us who are adults have been using the toilets for years now and are praised for going to the toilet. You're like, eh, whatever. But for these small children, it is a big accomplishment for them because they're being rewarded. If you don't have any children um, that you've seen potty trained before in your life, you can think about other animals. Dogs are a good example for um, when you, you're training your dog and you want your dog to sit, right? And if you have dog trainers, they'll tell you the same thing. You want them to sit, you give them a treat, they react, you give them a treat, you also praise them for it. And after a while... What will happen, and 
forgot to cover this with the toddler as well. The toddler will eventually always go to the toilet because they believe that they are going to be rewarded for it. And as you wean different things off, they will end up being potty trained without having a treat. Same thing with the dog. You try to give the dogs treats often enough, the dog will, when you grab the treat bag, the dog will sit automatically because the dog knows there is a reward that they are going to receive. Same thing if you're trying to, uh, like let's say, you know, when it's nighttime, if your dog is getting ready to go into his house, it's a crate, it's a more common term, and you go grab the treat for it and your dog hauls off and goes into the crate. The dog is understanding what it, it is supposed to do. And then eventually, when you can tell, you'll be able to give the dog the commands for doing such without having to do these additional uh, factors. Um, when you are using this type of learning theory, when you're trying to train every anyone, the more positive, um, which are reinforcement on it, the better they are to retain the information that they are learning. So, same thing, you're looking at this for in a, a job, if you are giving positive reinforcement because you are doing, if it's as simple as your Walmart reader, maybe you have to hand out um, coupon books, for example, just making something up and the manager is noticing X amount of coupons are being used, which would be related to you doing your job and handing them out, they will give you praises for doing it or whatever. It's not to de diminish you, to make you feel like a child, but some people need that type of positive reinforcement to know that they're doing something um, well and it works out uh, pretty well for them. I mean, that's the type of thing that you would normally see if we're talking about teaching-wise, pre-K, kindergarten type of classes. When we are speaking about the cognitive learning theory, the cognitive th learning theory looks at the way people think. Because you have to f understand how people process the information to them. So, if I'm speaking to you and I'm giving you a lot of information, you want to figure out how you can personally uh, use it yourself. Um, in my training classes that I've done a lot, a lot of times I see myself leaning more into the cognitive um, field because I try to to get the best out of any of the training classes I have ever taught or for the my students is I need to give you something that you can relate back to. So a lot of times I end up giving. Uh, practical examples of day-to-day -day interactions um, that I have personally experienced or some that I've known that our staff have experienced um, for our organization. And uh, typically they end up nodding their head, saying yes, and they realize that if they had the tools prior to the event, they would have been successful in doing it. Because there's just the idea um, effort as well, how it works is you allow the people who are the students or the attendees of your class to ask questions, to fail and think out loud um, is typically how it was looked at. So they can 
come formulate their own strategies on how these processes work and they can use it to create better personal learning opportunities for themselves which this falls into the next learning theory which is constructivism because constructivism is the idea that students um, create their own learning based off of their previous experiences so mind you like i said in the connectivism if i've already provided the information for said class i've allowed you to learn and fail when the next events come up you'll be able to um realize what it is that you were struggling with or add it to it because you can tell somebody else oh yes i've did this before in the past it did not work and this is what we ended up having to do and so you have that idea that you're doing it um with yourself all the time um the idea is that when you're in these type of classrooms are um or like i say other environments is you help the students to gain their own learning and understanding and bring forth things before in the past of let's say you look at you know riding a bike with training wheels without uh, training wheels or without how long did it take you what did you realize that you needed to do yourself to be able to do it if you're a cook was there a certain ingredient or a certain mixing routine that you have learned uh, to better incorporate the ingredients to get the desired result of the flavor um, that you're having? Um, the more when you're doing this type of stuff that they're able to pull and draw back from their previous experiences, the better this type of learning method actually works. When we look at um, humanism, uh, humanism, which is also tied in constructivism as well, is that it's more self-reflection. Um, that you have to realize that these are the things that have to take place so you can be the best person that you can be moving forward. A lot of times, look at that as the uh, final exam uh, for a class or if you're teaching a something that um, has a test at the end uh, you um, have to make sure that um, which is oddly enough these two buckets need to be filled for a student emotionally and physically so they have they're like while I'm in this environment I feel safe I feel comfortable I could just focus on it and it gives them the idea, everything they need to to do to succeed. As in, that's why you see colleges providing meal cards for, you know, three or four different days or extra for kids to eat because as long as the student isn't hungry, they have a place to sleep, things like that, they can go ahead and make sure they are learning correctly. For adults in a little bit of cornier way is maybe you have a class at eight in the morning. Well, depending on how far somebody's had to travel, they have to get their kids ready for school, got to walk the dog, etc. Maybe they didn't have time to get breakfast. And now they're in a the classroom um, being taught whatever it is, and they're hungry. 
They need something to eat. They need something to drink. Um, and maybe as the instructor, you already can take this into effect and you provide uh, breakfast pastries, coffees, and things like that. It makes the environment more welcoming. You understand what uh, people may have to deal with and you make the correct decisions about it to let everything happen um, the correct way. Um, I know a lot of times that's why people don't like to do meetings after lunch. Why a lot of times people are, are sleepy. You can't really offer coffee or anything after that because most people have already eaten lunch. Um, and it's a little bit harder. But that's why you do see a lot of times the human factor in morning meetings of people providing the coffee and the uh, pastries and things like that. So... Uh, connectivism, the last learning theory that I will be speaking on, um, that are that is in the top five, is the newest ones that have came as technology has increased, and it's the idea that people learn and grow from making different type of connections. Uh, typically, they look at this as um, social interactions um, and including social media. Um, as this um, as being the case, um, the like a good example would be if I was to say that the sky was purple in a conversation, then you may be able to go find other people who say the sky is purple on social media, and of course, this is a uh, not a true example, but just example in general. But maybe you could go on Facebook and you find a Sky's Purple group. And then they have additional websites or articles or links that you can do this. But you found this based off of finding a different uh, a different person that has connected you all together. Uh, um, and it makes people feel a lot of times more motivated about the learning that they receive when they have different people that they can relate to that have, um, have the same similar interest. A lot of times they use, you use this also with different hobbies or sports groups or things like that. If like, if you're in a neighborhood, somebody now, like I say on Facebook, you can see it very common where somebody will post, Hey, I'm looking for people to play basketball with other people play and then you end up learning about their different rec leagues and then there's travel ball for younger kids and things like that. And it's a good learning and growing together, um, but it is in a non-classroom setting. Um, it is more, um, this happens a lot more now um, than in the past because people don't normally think about these connections as different learning opportunities, but they actually are. So, if with those being the case, um, and like I said, with the uh, previous learning theories that we have, I would offer you the opportunity to expand to look at these other learning theories, which is the transformative learning theory, which is uh, the idea for adult education or young adult learning, um, also considered um, as a way that people can change their 
um, learning based off of new information. For example, people thought the sky was purple, and now they have the groups that they were in. It was like, we just brought you here to tell you that the sky was actually blue. Um, you have the social learning theory, um, uh, which is where students learn that they um, that being disruptive in the classroom doesn't work if they aren't getting the desired interactions. Mind you, like I said, this is more this one's more classroom based. But if you take a disruptive child and then you place them in with a bunch of a group of children that will not react to how bad this child is acting, there is a belief that the child will be reformed because nobody is giving them the attention that they are so seeking because they're acting in a certain type of manner. Um, when we look at the um, ex experimental learning theory, it once again focuses on doing kind of like connectivism. Um, not connectivism, so sorry. Uh, constructivism, which is uh, based off of being able touching, learning, combining things that you've done uh, previously together and um, recalling facts from previous um, examples. So check all those out. Um, mind you, this was the idea of this was just kind of a refresher of these learning theories. Um, you can look at somebody who is more versed in these. They can give you further examples of how these things are used. I just wanted to give refreshers of these ideas if you have never heard of them before. Um, just provide you with this information if you um, uh, need to figure out what is a best style for you if you are a teacher or an educator um, and the group of people you have to deal with. So remember, like, comment, subscribe, share this around. This is how you become legendary and greatness is earned. Mm -hmm.